Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, second verse, same as the first. A little bit louder, a little bit worse. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another trade deadline stash show. We did four on Saturday, and I've had a slight change of opinion on a couple of scenarios, and I thought we might as well do a little bit of an update here with the possibility of one more update before the actual deadline because I realize roster spots are at a premium. Trade deadline stashes, by and large, don't work. I want to say that in the first 60 seconds of this show. By and large, don't work. But if we play our hand right, if we can figure out how to get in between the smoke to find the little embers of fire, we might just be able to stash one or two guys that does end up panning out post-trade deadline. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's a bonus episode of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vespers. At Dan Vespers over on social media. Here at the beginning of the show, I'd like to ask everybody to please take a moment to follow me on social at Dan Vespers. Please find our Discord in the show description. That link is free. You can just pop on in there. And please take a moment to pre-like our trade deadline live coverage page. That, that link is also in the show description. It's at 429 pre-likes right now as I bring this message to you live at 1.50 in the afternoon. On Wednesday, January the 24th, I am hunting 500. So please, whatever you guys can do to help me get there. Also, remember to like and subscribe this show, however you're taking it in. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. I don't know if you can subscribe on Twitter. Like it on Twitter. Follow all that good stuff. You guys know the drill at this point. Let's begin. I thought it would be kind of nice to begin by just briefly reminding everybody of where we were last time. So these are the four names from our video back on Saturday. Bilal Koulibaly, Onyeka Okongwu, Gary Trent Jr., and Asser Thompson. Who, And looking back on some of these names, after now we've had another game or two under our belts since making some of these calls, say, all right, well, what do we think is actually going to shake out here and we've had four or five days to see how the news has developed on these players and on these teams as well. And a few things struck me on these four guys from last time. Number one, it really feels like Tyus Jones is going to get moved in Washington. Now, Kulabali has some very large, dare I say, gaping issues with his fantasy game. Even when he's had playing time, it's been difficult, I think, for him to get to that point. So not only do we need Tyus Jones to get out of his way... I might argue we also need someone like a Kuzma to be out of the way or a Jordan Poole, who's going to be impossible to move because he's been awful this year. Kuzma, not impossible, by the way, but just something to free up a little bit more usage. And maybe it's Denny Avdia. Maybe that's the player who needs to get moved, who will be easier to get moved, although not like he's an old guy either. We saw him listed 
as uh, a target for a few teams in Bobby Mark's piece that came out earlier today on all the team's trade deadline stuff. So again, we're talking about a young player, but you know, Danny's taking nine shots a game. And so if you free up those, maybe one or two goes to Koulibaly. And Tyus Jones is what? Kind of generally in that same rough area. He's at 10 shots per game. Maybe you could piecemeal, because Koulibaly is already, what, six, seven shots a ball game right now? I probably should have had that in front of me because I'm doing a show talking about him. He's at six and a half. And if he could piecemeal another three and a half together from 18 or so that gets thrown back into the pool, now we're starting to get somewhere. Because he's not particularly efficient. He doesn't shoot the free throw well. His three-point shot is coming along, but it's not there yet. It's the defensive stats and the potential to step forward. So I still kind of like him. Onyek Okongwu, I still like a lot because if Atlanta moves Clint Capella, you're in great shape. Moving DeJounte Murray might actually, believe it or not, because DeAndre Hunter will come back and you'll see him featured later in this show. Uh, Atlanta is a team that may be retooling here, and we've seen them play Okongwu longer minutes. And if they start to think about maybe just taking the team in a different direction, not even necessarily a blow up, but just a how-they-use-the-pieces direction. Okongwu is a guy that can take a big step forward. Gary Trent Jr. is someone that I think I'm moving down in my stash rank board. We've seen that even when he's playing here lately, he's not getting enough shots for it to be truly statistically relevant. We need him between 10 and 15 shots a ball game because he needs to hit a bunch of threes, get points, free throw tries sometimes, and steals. That's the other big one. And if he's not shooting... Just existing on the court is not enough for him, for Gary Trent Jr., because he doesn't rebound and he doesn't assist. So it has to be shots. So he's moved down my board. And Aster Thompson, who I think even as I was talking about him on, on Saturday's show, I may have mentioned this, this idea that it may not be trade deadline related for him. It might be more, you know, team shutdown related. But if Alec Burks gets moved or let's say Boyan Bogdanovich gets moved, or just a few pieces get out of the way, there's a possibility that the Pistons might lean back Thompson's direction a little sooner. But it does also kind of feel like they need to get to that, like, let's see what we have point, which is crazy that they're not there yet. But the Pistons have been super weird this year, and I don't expect that to change starting two weeks from today. Let's get into some new names. Santi Aldama, who made the honorable mentions board on our Saturday show, and now he's graduated to the full-blown board, which is a very weird way to describe a board. But I like Aldama a lot. The only thing I don't like about Santi is that he banged knees, and he's out for at least one ballgame. He's out tonight. Uh, the Grizzlies are in Miami taking on the Heat. They're back home. They got a game in two days, and then they got a back-to-back -back going uh, first thing next week, the 28th and 29th. Hopefully he can get back in the not-too-distant future for a couple of reasons. Reason number one is, when he gets full minutes, he's pretty interesting from a fantasy standpoint. There are issues. He's not a great field goal guy because he steps out and shoots the three and he gets a little trigger happy on, on the court. And he's not a great free throw guy, although this year he's at 62 and, and in his young career he's actually in the low 70s, so there's a distinct possibility that we're getting kind of a low-volume what the hell is this sample? Both of his percentages are down this year, which could also rebound. You figure, okay, could field goal come back up? It was at 47 last year. Why wouldn't it get back up into the mid to high 40s this year? Free throw at 75 last year. Why is it at 62 this season? 
So let's say that his 23 minutes a game this year, where, by the way, 23 minutes a game, he's at 10 points, 5.5 rebounds, 0.7 steals, 0.8 blocks, almost 2 assists, and 1.5 three-pointers. There's a really interesting roundedness to this stat set for Aldama. You just can't be this bad at both percentages and be a 9-cap performer. But the nice thing is, we saw him start in his last game before getting hurt against a small front court, mind you. It was Toronto. But we also know that Xavier Tillman is a possible trade chip for the Grizzlies, a team that doesn't have that many right now. Luke Kennard, uh, Tillman are probably the two guys where they can be like, all right, well, whatever. Like, do we really need these guys with all of our dudes hurt? We can just kind of retool a tad, make a run at things next year. Maybe assets serve us better than holding on to a guy. We don't know what Steven Adams' deal is going to be next year either. So is that a reason that they'd maybe hang on to Tillman? Hard to say. We don't know what the Grizzlies are doing, but we do know that if Tillman's out of the way, uh, then Aldama has a very clear path. And if JJJ ever gets the plug pulled on the season, which is probably going to happen at some point here, whether that's resting every two to three ball games or just taking the end of the season off for an unnamed injury, Aldama feels like a guy who's already stepping into a bigger role that's only going to get larger as the year goes on. He has a decent rebounding rate, even though he's not a super strong dude. He scores well. He hits threes. He gets steals and blocks. I mean, starters minutes, he's like potentially looking at a two three-pointer, one steal, one block. So four cash counters or more. And that one 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 group, he might be a 2-1-1 with boards, with scoring, with some passing. We just got to fix some of the percentages. Doesn't have to be perfect, but I like Aldama a lot. And he absolutely gets the bump up from honorable mention because there are a few paths to him actually getting to kind of that that next zone. Dennis Smith Jr. is one that I kicked around a little bit on some shows earlier this week. And some of that's because it's not clear what the Brooklyn Nets are doing from a trade deadline perspective. But what is clear is that Spencer Dinwiddie is uh, not happy. And also that there are long stretches already where he's losing playing time to Dennis Smith Jr. So it might not even take all the way through. It might even take a, it might not even take a full-blown trade to get this done. But let's assume for our sake, the reason we're holding on to Dennis Smith Jr. is for a possible trade. His minutes have been slowly trending up. Dinwiddie's minutes have been slowly trending down. Is that Brooklyn signaling that they're willing to look in Dennis Smith's direction? Well, we need to get to a point where it doesn't matter. Dennis Smith Jr.'s number 95 over the last uh, three weeks. He was hurt for some of those games, so it's only eight games over that stretch. But he's done it with eight points. Eight. But four and a half boards, five assists, almost two steals, and half a block on decent percentages. If that number goes up, and we saw this last year in Charlotte, he can absolutely pile up fantasy numbers. I mean, even if you get him to like 11 points instead of eight, that's useful. If you get him to one three-pointer instead of .6, boards can get into the fives. Assists could get up to six. Steals can be in the 1.5 to 2 range. Blocks, half a block or better. There is a very, uh, really, there's a, a really nice, again, we're talking about well-rounded. He and Aldama both fit that bill. If Dennis Smith Jr. steps into a bigger role, we saw with Charlotte, he was posting between top 50 and top 75 value for a long stretch last year. Remember, LaMelo Ball missed a ton of time. 
Dinwiddie probably needs to get moved for Dennis Smith Jr. to hit any kind of apex in this deal. Like, he's probably stuck maxing out near 100 range as long as Dinwiddie is around. But again, he's in that same mold as Aldama was about to be before he got hurt. These are guys like Okongwu that are actually giving you playable fantasy numbers right now, even before any kind of something pops which in my eyes might be the only way to approach the trade deadline. Because if you're picking up these long shot stashes that are doing nothing for you over the next two weeks, those guys have a chance to hurt your team. You don't want to take a couple of L's going into the trade deadline, but Dennis Smith Jr. is not going to hurt you. Aldama, when healthy, was helping, especially on the head-to-head side. Roto is a little bit of a different beast. You could afford to tuck somebody on your bench and, you know, not use them against the games cap kind of thing. But like Okongwu, Dennis Smith Jr., Aldama, when these guys are starting and playing okay minutes, you're getting numbers near the edge of the top 100 from them. Less so from Santi because his percentages have been so very up and down, but certainly more so for Dennis and Okongwu. So these are guys that you can play on the head-to-head side if their schedule is okay or better. As long as it's not a complete disaster schedule, you can just hold these dudes and you can get numbers out of them, and then just hope that things drop in their favor. You hope that Clint Capella gets moved, or you hope that for the Grizzlies, Tillman gets moved, or for the Nets, you hope Spencer Dinwiddie gets moved. I like these guys a lot, and you'll see at the end of today's show, I added a slide where I ranked all eight of the names that I've brought up so far in order of how I like them stashed, which I think was a request from the last one. Jabari Walker's the next name on the list, and this one's a little bit of a mixed bag for me because I don't know that he's a true trade deadline stash in the traditional sense because he's already playing about 30 minutes of ballgame over the last three weeks, and obviously he's had a boost in playing time with Shaden Sharp out. My thought process on Jabari Walker is this. He's a long shot to really pop. Because the other guys on the Blazers are young already. So there aren't that many shutdown candidates on the Blazers. And whatever shutdown candidates there might be, which is basically Jeremy Grant, is the guy you're hoping gets traded that would unlock Jabari Walker. Because he needs more shots and he needs to make sure, like, there just cannot be competition for that power forward spot. Because when Shaden Sharp comes back, there will be. Let's assume Malcolm Brogdon gets traded. Okay, that's fine. That doesn't really help Walker all that much. It leaves more space for him if Scoot comes in and gets additional run and Sharp comes back. How many minutes does that leave for Walker? Well, again, I think we probably need Grant out of the way. But he just signed a new contract and a long one. So some team is going to want to have to give up a lot of stuff and be committed to Jeremy Grant for frickin' ever. And maybe that team is out there. I find that somewhat hard to believe. So Walker's on this board, but probably fits the bill better as a long shot trade deadline win. The long shot being that Jeremy Grant gets moved. But a a shorter shot, not so much a long shot, that Jeremy Grant, if he doesn't get moved, once again takes the last 10 to 15 games off. Because that's kind of been his MO pretty much since he went to Detroit. Play the first 60 games of the year, play a handful over the next 5 to 10, and then don't play from that point on. I have no reason to believe that that's going to change because Portland is a dumpster fire right now and they're developing all young guys and he's effectively like the only non-young guy there. Maybe DeAndre Ayton. Eh. 
And then you get this unfettered run, and you get his 15 shots a game being passed along to Simons and Scoot and Sharp and some to Walker, and that's what this is going to take. He needs 10 or more shots per game to go along with those nine rebounds. And damn it, we'd really love like .6 steals and .6 blocks instead of .3 of each. That's where he's at over the last three weeks. He's getting no defensive stats at all. So to me, this one maybe profiles more like the Aster Thompson deal, which is like, yeah, probably more of a March play than a February play. But I wanted to get him on the board because in a long shot magical universe where Jeremy Grant does get moved, something could pop loose sooner on Jabari Walker. And then this one's, I think, flying a little bit under the radar, and that's DeAndre Hunter in Atlanta, who, look, I've gone on the record many times as saying I'm not a massive fan of his fantasy game. His value is heavily tied up in having good percentages and scoring. He's like a Harrison Barnes 2.0. He's Harrison Barnes if the team he was on actually bothered to give him shots sometimes. He's also hurt and has been uh, not infrequently throughout his young career. But he's at 11 shots a game right now, and he's at number 120. 46% shooting, 90 and a half from the free throw line. He's at 15 points, two three-pointers, four boards, and not a whole lot else. The reason that DeAndre Hunter is on the board here is because we know Atlanta is aggressively trying to move DeJounte Murray. And I wouldn't be all that surprised if they were quietly also trying to shop Sadiq Bey. Now, I don't know that that wants to be true. We haven't heard much about it, but it seems like a reasonable possibility. He's not like a, a building block for the team for the future. At, le- at least not in the way that I think they feel DeAndre Hunter might, can be more of a building block. So what does that mean? Well, let's take this sort of piece by piece on Hunter and say, what, what if, what if... DeJounte Murray gets moved at the deadline. We've already heard that if the Lakers are the team and D'Angelo Russell is the player coming back, there would have to be some other salary going in that Atlanta would like to move him along to a third team because they, they want assets. They don't want D'Lo. Okay, great. So that means that DeJounte Murray's 17 and a half shots are largely getting split up between whatever salary filler the Lakers would have to include in such a trade and the existing pieces in Atlanta. So um, Jalen Johnson, not that Trey Young can do a whole lot more, but Trey Young, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich would be a very large winner in that. Sadiq Bey would be a a medium-sized winner. But then it does kind of feel like DeAndre Hunter has a chance to, even as a small to medium-sized win, already sitting basically right on the cusp of everyday startability, in my eyes, maybe just ever so slightly outside of that, uh, simply because of where his value is tied up, you add another two shots to his ledger. I mean, he's already at 15 points on 11 shots. That's that's pretty good. That's effectively a little bit less than a point and a half per field goal attempt. So you increase his usage by whatever it would take to get him two more field goal attempts, You're actually talking about three more points. Could DeAndre Hunter really be an 18-point-per-game guy down the stretch? Eh, it is a stretch, but that adds presumably, uh, call it another, oh, I don't know, 20% to three-pointers, so that's now 2.1 or 2.2. 
Could it add 20% to assists? Even if it did, it wouldn't change very much. You're talking about, you know, uh, like 0.3. So who cares? An extra part of a free throw would be a big deal for him because that's a big positive. And then the negative in field goal percent doesn't really change all that much. But what it does do is it moves him from outside the top 100 to inside the top 100. And that's part of what you're looking for with deadline stuff. This one is a low upside, but a higher probability play because we know Atlanta is trying to move pieces, meaning the odds that something good happens to DeAndre Hunter are actually decent. But the odds that it's good enough to make him a big difference maker, eh, not all that high. So he's not my favorite target on the board, but he's a very reasonable one, especially when you consider the fact that he is expected back in the not-too-distant future. We don't have an exact timeline on that, but news is starting to come out here. This is 15 games he's missed now with this knee thing, but, you know, he's being ruled out on, like, you know, a half a day in advance to a day in advance instead of multiple days in advance. So I would say peer around. He's IL eligible right now, so if you picked him up, you could drop him straight into your injured list, and you almost don't even have to use a roster slot in certain formats to hold on to him and just see if anything gets out of his way between now and February 8th. Before I get to my rank board of all eight names that I've posted on these trade deadline stash shows, I want to remind everybody once again, please take a moment to go and pre-like our trade deadline live program that's coming up on February the 8th, starting at 7.30 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, it's at 431 likes now, so two likes happened while we were talking. That's fun. I'd love to get two more as I'm talking about this. Could it be you? I hope so. I hope it is you. I'm talking to you, of course, who's actively saying, wait, me? Yes, you. And go check out our buddies at manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20, ethos20, to get free shipping and 20% off your order of anything at manscaped.com, which I will be using tomorrow morning to trim my neck hair, which is starting to get a little bit scruffy. I can't have that going when I show up to a play-by-play job. That is unacceptable. Again, that's promo code ethos20 at manscaped.com. Also, again, a reminder, I am at Dan Bespris on social media, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, on Twitter, sportsethos.com is our website. And now you guys get my eight stashes ranked. So here you go. And you probably could have pieced it together by the way I was talking about it. And I had the hardest time here uh, basically between three and six. Onyeko Kongo is my number one. Not necessarily because I think he's the most likely to step into massive value, but because if a player gets out of his way, and that player is Clint Capella, we know Okongwu can be top 50, and they're just, like, that's an unbelievably valuable type of player. Guys in the 75 to 100 range are fine, but they're kind of, like, keep you afloat type of guys. The 50 and above, those are the dudes that really move the needle and win you fantasy leagues. And so Okongwu, of all the guys on this board, probably has the best shot to actually hit that marker. And then that's the reason that the two guys behind him here on my board, Santi Aldama's number two, Dennis Smith Jr.'s number three, and you could flip-flop those if you really wanted to. I just think that Aldama has a really clear path that might not involve the trade deadline because we might get through the trade deadline and Memphis might not have moved anybody, but Aldama still might be the starting power forward there in half of their ball games. And then if JJJ starts to rest more, then he might be the starting power forward in two-thirds to three-quarters of their ball game. 
And then, of course, if Tillman does get moved at the trade deadline, then he's basically a starter the rest of the way. So there's just a lot of pathways for Aldama to go from being not a play, which he wasn't as of like three games ago, to, you know, a play 50% of the time to 67, 75% of the time. And that's often enough in most formats to, to make a guy good. And then Dennis Smith Jr., who in my eyes is less likely, because I don't know how easy it's going to be for the Nets to move Dinwiddie. I'm thinking they're going to try. And he's been linked to a few teams, if you read again that Bobby Marks article. Uh, but we know that Dennis Smith, as a starter playing 30 minutes, does, like Okongwu, have a shot to be top 50, probably more in the 60 to 75 range. Which is still good, but not like a win-you-a-league type of dude. He's a give you a much better shot to win your week kind of guy, which I don't know that we can say about all the names on this list, and so that's why Dennis Smith Jr. is in that top three. DeAndre Hunter is number four because I think he has a really good shot to gain value at the trade deadline. I don't think he jumps as high as the three guys in front of him, but again, if he gets into that 85-95 range, that's useful. That's a playable guy. Bilal Kulabali, number five on the list, uh, because there's an unknown here. Um, we know there's a very good chance that he takes a big jump forward, whether it's just because of shutdowns or trades or some combination thereof. Uh, but he also has big, big issues in his fantasy game. So even if he gets to play 32 minutes and gets more shots, there's no guarantee he gets inside the top 100 because the free throw percent could be a disaster. We don't know if he's going to hit enough threes. We don't know if he's going to score enough, blah, 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 and on and on and on. Um... So again, how does a guy who's like, you know, ranked near the top 200 take a giant step forward? Possibly, yes. I mean, probably, honestly. But does he still get as high as those guys in front of him? I think that remains questionable. Jabari Walker is one I like as like a quiet, reasonable play. I just, again, I don't see the clear path to him playing more than he's playing already unless Jeremy Grant gets moved, and that feels somewhat unlikely. He's number six on the list. Gary Trent Jr. is number seven because it feels like he needs shots that are not about to magically appear in Toronto. And Azar Thompson is number eight because I don't think he's going to get the big play until March, which, again, that may be a similar case to Jabari Walker. Uh, but Walker, I think, has a better path to just doing stuff right now. So that's why he's in front, and that's why Thompson is in the last slot on the list here of the eight names we've talked about. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your second edition of the Players to Stash for the Trade Deadline. I'm thankful that you guys came back and joined me for another round of it. I'd like to get a buy low show going at some point in the next couple of days. We'll see if that fits. Uh, but it felt like this one was a little bit more relevant given the proximity of the Trade Deadline just a little over two weeks from today. Again, thank you so much for listening. Follow on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Find in Discord. Like our Trade Deadline live page. Uh, like this podcast, subscribe to our YouTube, subscribe to our iTunes, our Spotify, all that stuff. It is much appreciated. Have a stellar, stellar rest of your Wednesday or whenever it is that you're taking in this show. And I'll talk to you guys very soon. I'm Dan Vespers. Later for now. <laughs>